everyone. You're listening to Fearless Talk Season 2, Episode 6. Today on the show, we have one of our incredible board members and one of my dearest friends, Lisa Marasini. Lisa is brilliant and she's beautiful, but she's also such a brilliant leader and she's initiating an innovative approach to global change. I'm telling you, this girl is just next level. (laughs) She is pursuing women's economic empowerment, social entrepreneurship, and fashion diplomacy. Who knew you could be diplomatic with your fashion? I just love, I love this girl so much. And today, actually, she's going to be sharing about matters of the heart and the adventure found in the season of singleness. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's show and sit tight because it's going to be fun. Hello, Fearless Nation. Esther here, and I am so excited to be hosting today's podcast. We are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics singleness and dating and the season of adventure that that season holds. And um, today we have on the podcast with us, Lisa Marasini. Did I say your last name right? You said it perfect. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Lisa is just amazing. She's just been part of the fearless family for the past couple years. And she is one of our board members, which we are so thankful for all of her wisdom. And, um, okay. I pulled up your Instagram profile and I love what you have here. You have women's economic empowerment, social entrepreneurship, fashion diplomacy, people. Let me just (laughs) tell you the level of absolute legend that we have with us today. Lisa, you are incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Esther, for having me here. I love this community, and I love the vision that you have birthed from what God's just been showing you these last years and what it's turned into. I'm just so proud and so excited to partner and stand with you. And just a little bit more about me. Um, I have a heart for ministry, especially in empowering women and seeing them reach their fullest potential in whatever capacity that is, um, from business to fashion, to government, to um, entrepreneurship, to all those things. I'm pursuing my PhD right now, so I'm in my fifth year, almost at the very end, and that Instagram profile kind of captures what my research is focused on, um, which is social entrepreneurship and really bringing training to women in developing nations as um, a tool of policy. So I work with an incredible organization called 31 Bits, and uh, we create jobs for women um, through artisan-based business, which is jewelry and home goods and other fun things. So that's kind of my focus right now. And um, no matter what I do in life, I know it'll always connect back to empowering women. So I love Fearless and what's the cause behind all of that. I love that. That is, I mean, incredible, Lisa, just like your interest and your, the way that you've been able to go to other countries and come alongside other women. You went to India, you've been to Africa, right? Yes. Just this year I went to Africa. Last year. I love that. Yes. So you've always been such an inspiration to me in following your journey on empowering women, not just through you know, giving to, you know, great organizations, but actually creating opportunities for them to kind of create, you know, find out, find their purpose and find their jobs, right? That that's kind of been your, your focus in, in social entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, definitely. I love that. Amazing. Well, 
Today we have the incredible pleasure of hearing Lisa's love story, which how long have you been married, Lisa? It'll be two years next month, <laughs> November <Woo! laughs> 11th, 11-11. Okay. I love it. Okay, let me just tell you, everybody, this woman knows how to throw a party. Her <laughs> wedding, her wedding was the best, literally it was like a celebrity wedding. It was on the this golf course that overlooked <laughs> the ocean, that was under a, what do you call that? What was the beautiful? Uh, like, rotunda. <laughs> a rotunda a rotunda I never even knew the name of that but it was stunning and I had the distinct honor of um you know hosting Facebook live of the Maricini Union and it was incredible I got to interview Aunt Betty Sue and Uncle John I don't even, <laughs> I'm not even sure of their names but um I felt like a host on E! News and it was so much fun <laughs> Yeah, Esther did the best yes. job so that my <laughs> relatives that couldn't be there could watch live on Facebook. <laughs> hey, do you have that, like, host anywhere? Is that on YouTube people could watch? <laughs> well, it's on my Facebook. It's public, so they okay. could see it you there. Guys, <laughs> you need to go check that out. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. It's, like, next level. The Beavers don't have anything <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's great. So, um, but, okay, I got to actually watch Lisa and David. Um, come together and watch them date, watch them fall in love. It was so crazy. But I also, also got to watch Lisa walk out her season of singleness with so much grace. And that doesn't mean that, you know, she didn't have struggles or challenges or anything. But I do remember so many incredible, powerful conversations me and Lisa had during that season where, um, you know, she was searching for strength and I was searching for strength and, you know, we're kind of trying to figure this season out together. And, um, Lisa, I just feel like in that season, you cultivated such a depth of, um, empathy, you know, empathy mm -hmm. now in marriage to be able to reach back and to help guide girls that, you know, you were right there with them, um, in that season, but never gave up. Um, mm -hmm. your sense of purpose never lost sight of the joy in the season, even on those hard days and even in those lonely seasons. And that's what I admire most about, about, you know, your journey is the adventure that you really took advantage of traveling the world, doing incredible mm -hmm. things and really chasing the heart of God and not, um, this idealistic future that, you know, you, you know, had painted for yourself, but knowing God would have a promise for you waiting for you. So I'd love to jump into this and kind of um, just hear a little bit of, um, you told us how long you've been married, but just give us a little backstory of how you and David met, because it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so I'll try and give you the shortest version. <laughs> but um, David and I met actually 13 days after my 30th birthday in 2016. And I don't know about any of you, but 30 felt like a good deadline to be married. <laughs> so when that came, and it wasn't the case, um, it was pretty discouraging. Um, but I'll talk a little bit more later about that. But the week before we met, I was actually transitioning out of my full-time job where I had been for a couple of years. And I was definitely overqualified and underpaid, but I stayed a lot longer than I thought I would because I was so passionate about the cause and because every other door that I knocked on wouldn't open. I even tried to um, move to the East Coast but God made it clear by closing each door that I was supposed to stay where I was in Southern California. 
Um, but it was on that very last day in the very last hour, actually in that job that I commuted to, I received a call from a very persistent Indian man. And, um, he immediately shared his faith and how he used to teach at the university I went to, which, um, just piqued my interest and really made me more interested in the work to hear about the work that he was doing. But I, um, obviously it was a big project because he was working in India and, it was very much in line with what we were doing at the job I was at, but I didn't feel qualified because I, my job was more administrative based and I was just, wasn't feeling like I would be the best person for it, but I was open to hearing more because I was obviously transitioning out and looking and open to what God would have for me next. And also God had placed India on my heart many years before, but it never worked out to actually go. So I thought, well, I should at least be open to whatever he's talking about, because you never know if this is something from God. So he went on to say he was not in the area anymore. He was up in the Bay Area, so he couldn't meet with me to tell me more. But he had someone in L.A. close to me that I could meet with so I can see if I wanted to join the project they were doing in India. And it turns out that man that I met with was my future husband, David. So it was kind of crazy that we met face-to-face about a project in India. Um, And it's not like it was an instant. I mean, obviously, I was intrigued enough to keep meeting with him and learn more about the project. But it wasn't an instant like, oh, this man is my future husband. It wasn't that at all. It was like God had closed my eyes in that moment. Because knowing me, I would have wanted to try and make something happen if I was one, like attracted to him more than I should have been. So I'm grateful that God didn't do that. But the months after our first meeting were actually some of the hardest ones of my life. It felt like everything I had been working for up to that point was unraveling. I was on the brink of losing hope, and it was even culminating in depression from an overwhelming sense of feeling like God had forgotten me. Um, because of the way my life had turned out after turning 30. And um, as each week went by, my friendship with David grew. And I remember, um, actually, as I learned more about India, and I even committed to going for five weeks. So part of that was I would need to go meet the rest of the team up in the Bay Area. And so I traveled there with David about three months after we met. And we went up to the Bay Area to meet them. And I remember the exact moment where things had shifted. David was, um, his housing, his transportation, everything he had planned for that week for himself. I had planned something else. I did an Airbnb on my own. His stuff had fallen through. And so he didn't have anywhere to go that night we arrived. And I remember um, something that would have really stressed me out. Actually, he was able to remain calm. And within minutes, he was able to brainstorm and figure out a solution. And I remember looking over at him and thinking, I want to live just like this. And I didn't really think, oh, necessarily with this man, but I loved how he responded. And I wanted to incorporate that into how I respond in my life. So after that moment, obviously, our friendship continued to grow. And there wasn't a day where we didn't connect with each other, whether it was a text or an email or not even just about India, but about other things in life. And so about a month later, we were hanging out more. And uh, one day when we said goodbye, David turned to me and he said, I think it's time I took you out on a proper date. 
And I love how he transitioned <laughs> because I think very a lot of smooth, very smooth, David. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of times um, you're once you're hanging out with a guy, you're wondering what is this? Where's this going? Um, what's the his intention? I love how he shifted and made it very clear what his intention was and that he was interested in more than just friendship. So I was grateful for that, and I remember um, that whole week. Um, I think he he said that on a Tuesday and our date was on a Friday. And so the rest of that week, I couldn't sleep because I just kept thinking I was processing and praying about our relationship. And I knew God was in this. Um, but I just, I wanted to know for sure, um, what, how fast or what I should take away or where this was going. And I knew if I pressed into God, he would make it really clear. So, um, I actually prayed specifically for three things leading up to our first date that would happen on that day so that I would know that God was in this. And the, the first one was that he would give me some type of gift because um, that's my main love language. I love gifts, no matter what it is, something tangible I can hold that represents that love. And the second thing was that he would <clears throat> hold my hands because there has to be some type of physical chemistry. We were transitioning from just friendship. And then the third thing was that he would initiate some type of spiritual conversation or prayer so that I could just hear more of his heart in that area. And when the, the first date finally came, God actually, he went above and beyond each prayer that I had asked him to confirm um, to move forward with David. And the peace that came from that was so overwhelming. Um, I think just to go into the third answer, I think it's the most beautiful of all. Um, it was, I mean, our, we had talked about a lot of things on our first date and we didn't, both didn't want it to end. So we ended up going to like three different places, even after dinner and walking and just talking and reflecting on where we were at in our lives and everything. And, um, David wouldn't have ever known this, but when my parents got married, they chose Proverbs three, five, and six, uh, as the foundational verse for their marriage. So growing up, I had always associated this verse with marriage. It was, um, in picture frames, in their wedding books. So I always thought, oh, this is a great marriage verse. And I, I think just knowing that any time that God brought that scripture up throughout my life, it connected back to marriage. And I remember um, a few years before I met David at a sermon that my mom was sharing, she was talking about the keys to the kingdom. And she was um, just saying how this unlocked the fullest potential of our lives and how um, God has given us these keys through scripture. And at the end of the message, it was really powerful. She had these little cards with keys on them with different scriptures. So each one was different. There's probably at least a hundred different ladies in the audience. So she had us come up whenever we felt led to, to pick one up and um, she believed that the Holy Spirit would lead us to the one that he wanted to speak to us. And so I was really excited because I was in a transition and I was like, oh, I can't wait to get this word from the Lord that I desperately need. So I ran up there and I picked one up. And of course, it was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And I was so upset because I knew God knew that he gave me that verse for marriage. And it was there was no marriage in sight at that point. And um, it actually it felt like a slap in the face because it was like, why are you bringing this verse when I so desperately need something else to focus on in life because this isn't happening. And um, I heard God just whisper to the depths of my heart in that moment that you are not forgotten. And he was working even when I didn't see it. And so I kept that close to my heart. 
And so that just gives you background of why that verse was so important in connecting it to marriage in my life. So when we were on our first date, guess what verse David brought up in our conversation that first night? Proverbs 3, 5. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So I think in the God knew, I think more than anything else, that that verse would be the confirmation I needed to move forward um, in my relationship with David and that that this was the man that I would marry one day I knew on the first date because of that verse. (laughs) I think when you have that intimate relationship and those little things that God uses to speak in your life, it becomes so clear when the moment and the time and the person is right. So after that, we left for India for five weeks where we spent our first Christmas and New Year's together. And that really laid the foundation for our relationship. And, you know, being in another country with someone really brings you together and serving in ministry a lot closer than and faster than you would be able to do otherwise. So we're grateful that that's how our relationship started. And exactly a year to the day of our first date, we got married. So 11-11-2017. I was 31 and David was 35. Oh my goodness. Okay. All (laughs) the ladies wipe the happy tears off your cheeks. (laughs) Everyone's like, yes, confirmation. Or I feel like I just had a flashback of that season. And I remember when right after you guys went on your first date and you and I got together, do you remember Mm -hmm. this? We went and got, or we didn't even eat. We were just like, let's connect. We were gonna <laughs> supposed to. We couldn't even eat. We were just. So, I was so excited to hear about this. And I mm-hmm. remember you saying at that, um, at that moment, you're like, he's the one. <laughs> and I remember so clearly, you're like, absolutely. We've already. We're already talking marriage. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like this is <laughs> crazy. I don't. I, I've never even met this person like and it had literally just been like a month before that where we were you know I felt like I was encouraging you and like like Mm -hmm. you said that was one of your darkest seasons and um I just remember feeling so happy for you and also too having so much peace and excitement for you even though it seemed quick and even though it seemed like how is this real how is this really happening Mm -hmm. um I think with just like you were talking about how God had confirmed it in so many distinct ways. And of course, with your parents being involved and other leaders being involved and mentors, I think that when it's, when it's that quick, um, or when you have that kind of just like God confirmation, um, it, it, there's like, there's no questioning it, you know, and I Mm -hmm. never questioned it. I never thought like, Oh, red flag. Like they're already in love. It's only been a week. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've had friends like that too, where I was like, Oh gosh, like this is not going to be pretty (laughs) how this, you know, ends. But my goodness, just, I feel like your, your story, Lisa is, um, it's so, it very much reminds me of like, Rebecca and Isaac in the Bible, you know, where the servant was like, God, make my way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like confirm with me when a woman comes and asks to also not just give me a drink, but give my camels a drink, um, which was far beyond anything, you know, that he could have asked because that was such a high task. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when you prayed these things and, and um, of course, like in everyone else's journey, I feel like you could, 
you would have certain expectations put out there, certain confirmations put out there, but ultimately God already knows how he's going to confirm it. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think that I just love the way that you trusted in intimacy with the father, um, to confirm that it's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing what God does when we stay close to him. I think it's those sweetest moments that I think won't even mean much to anyone else, but they mean so much when God comes through in those ways. Right. Right. Totally. Okay. So you talked about that three month period where, you know, you even wrestled a little bit with some depression and just felt hopeless or felt, felt like, you know, your greatest desires were being denied. And I think so many girls out there can relate and I can definitely relate to that. And, um, I would love for you to kind of share what that season was like, or if, you know, there was another season in your life during that singleness period where, um, you know, you were just struggling to find hope, struggling to find vision for your life. And can you share some of the things that helped you refocus your perspective in that season? Yeah, definitely. I think there are two really hard seasons of singleness. The other ones weren't as hard because I was really busy with other things. But I think when God strips you of the other areas you find to invest your time and your energy and even find your value sometimes when those are all gone, you really get down to the deepest desires of your heart and what he's placed in you and and what feels like is lacking. Uh, so you have to come face to face with where you find your value. And I think that's what made the the harder seasons um, really hard to, to remain single. But one of those was what I mentioned, but the other one um, was when I had just finished college. I um, a lot of my friends got married right after that. Um, I'm sure other people can relate, but I had been a bridesmaid um, at least seven times, and I I had been working full time in church, and um, so ministry in the field can really, as a woman, make you feel like you don't have as much value when you're not and you're not able to participate in the wife and the mother side of what it means to be a woman. So that was completely magnified in that season, working at church, at the church and being single. And I was still pretty young, but, um, I just, I just kept getting magnified. And I remember getting advice from a lot of people and they really meant well, but a lot of it didn't really hold true to what God says or what, um, what really made sense in my life. But one of them was that, (laughs) sure you've heard it too, Esther, that God will bring your husband to you when you're completely content in him. Oh my gosh. I hate it when they say that. <laughs> I, know, I literally hate it when they say that. I'm like, <laughs> you are telling me that I am not content. In yeah. God. <laughs> it's so bad. Never yeah. say that to a single girl. No, no, never, never. <laughs> yeah. That came up a lot. Even <laughs> throughout my twenties, it would come up all the time. And honestly, I sure there were moments, and especially then that first hard season, I definitely wasn't fully content. Um, but I don't think that that's why I didn't meet my husband. I, I think that God, I mean, if you, if someone's saying that you're going to compare yourself around or to those around you that are married and say, well, why did God bring their husbands? Did they find contentment? And is there something wrong with me? Why am I not content? So I don't, I think that made it even harder to be single. Just a lot of like different myths that that were surrounding singleness in the church I had to wrestle with during that really hard season of singleness. I think one other thing too 
that I don't know if it's necessarily spoken, but it's definitely felt that as a single woman, you won't fully know your calling until you meet your husband. And um, maybe that's more of something you'll hear as a, as a young person in a middle school or high school. Um, but I just found that to be false because if, honestly, if I had been married sooner, I don't think I would have found the clarity of the vision of my life and to be able to even recognize who my husband was when the moment was right. So I think as women, we really need to, to be aware of this, that we don't find our identity in a man, but that we find it in the man of Jesus and who he is. So we need to press into him and find our calling there first. And then together that calling will be made clear in marriage. Come on, um, <laughs> preach, girl. And I want to like add to that because I love what you were touching on when you were you were sharing about, um, you know, the the very 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 common phrase, and it's meant in good intent. Yeah. I believe it comes from a good place in the heart of just like wanting to encourage, of you know, you'll once you're content in God, or once you know you're satisfied in your season, you know, and loving, <laughs> just loving, just you know, eat, pray, love, and then like the man will just show up. I think that part of honestly the theology of believing that a future spouse is this reward that we get Mm -hmm. for living a pure life or living a godly life that's so not the heart of God and that's so not even biblical that's it's like not a present that God's trying to give you in your life it's not like that yes it's a gift of friendship in anyone that you're going to find that's a gift but it's not something he's holding behind his back and saying like okay when you're actually thankful for what you have then I'll give you something else that's (laughs) not it at all and any girl that's praying using you know the bible verse that says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek you to try to be like okay God I'm (laughs) seeking you diligently so that you'll reward me with a boyfriend or a husband that is, mm-hmm. is not biblical it's not an application of that faith is for for your relationship with God for the season of just living your life and the purpose of your life um you know is not um for getting anything not not a relationship not a you know a job or anything like that it's it's literally that faith is for um, adventuring with God in so many different ways. And I would love if we could completely dissolve that, you know, wrong, wrong mindset of thinking that, you know, God is holding, withholding anything from you um, mm-hmm. or using this future person or this desire that you have as like a um, incentive to get you to have more faith. Yeah, exactly. I think that myth that's really tied into purity culture that the church perpetuates that says that if you remain pure and focused on God, that God has someone special set apart just for you. Sure, there God has that desire in your heart and that may come to pass and God will confirm it. But also at the end of the day, Jesus is the reward. Like you said, that relationship, that the moments you have with him leading up to whatever you define as your biggest dream, whether it's marriage or not, that Jesus is the reward along the way. And that closeness you experience with him is something you'll never have in that season again in that way. And I don't think we should take that for granted. And I think just having that perspective is so important through all of that. It's not living for something in the future, but it's understanding where you're at now and what God's doing in your heart now. That is so, so, so powerful. And I will say that I was one of those girls who believed that. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. 
totally in my teen years, I was like purity queen. I was purity <laughs> Barbie girl. Like, yes, let's wear my mini skirt over my pants and Barlow girl concerts. And I love them. And I, and I like look back on this years fondly because it like, it helps set a standard of strength in my heart and conviction that has led me, um, on a really beautiful path, but also created such a religious, idolatry, mm-hmm. honestly, worshiping this idea that the longer that I remained um, sexually pure, in, you know, in that season mm-hmm. that I was like, literally, I was like, my future husband is going to be so stinking sexy because I'm so <laughs> pure. Like I've never slept around. I've never done all these things. I've never dated around. So because of this, like God, it's like, I'm, I'm in literally like accruing investment in heaven and God's like okay this is great you're gonna get Prince Harry because you are so (laughs) super pure girl and I just think that that is such a in such a twist in mentality and the the devil can literally just go you know put that in his pipe and smoke it because like that is Mm -hmm. so not that's just the distorted image of the father and he's like girl I just I just want to be your prince charming you know Mm -hmm. and um I love that I love that so much Um, one thing I'd love for you to share is, um, you know, you shared with me about some of the declarations that, you know, really brought strength into your life. And I think sometimes we can find ourselves in a pit of depression because we are, we are actually creating, um, our own distress and we're creating our own, um, sense of hopelessness because of the things that we're saying in conversation. You know, I've had to change some of the things I've said you know that I use as like a sarcastic remark I'm like yeah president of a single club for life and like you know we say all these things that um define us as being lonely and we joke about it because that's sometimes a coping mechanism that we use just to feel better and make it not feel as miserable (laughs) you know in conversation Mm -hmm. but um I love that you were intentional during that season and you really set a standard of speaking life over your heart and speaking life over your mind. And even when you, even when it's hard to believe in the moment, you were intentional about speaking it out loud because we know it's so powerful, the authority that we have in our words. And um, I'd love for you to share about that. Yeah, I think that's kind of where the breakthrough really came. I remember I felt so alone and I think just being aware that that's one of the tools of the enemy is to make you feel alone, that no one understands you, especially during those times where you feel discouraged. You have to realize that you are not alone. There are people and that have gone through the same thing, that are going through the same thing. Even if you don't see it, you're never alone. And I think just like David did in the Bible, you have to encourage yourself and you have to declare the goodness of God. And I remember um, during an especially discouraging time, that worship really sustained me. There was a really low point when I was on the verge of breakthrough. Um, I didn't realize it at that moment, but I do now looking back, I was at a church service and I wasn't singing because I had just had gum surgery and my mouth was swollen and sore. And that was my excuse where I I wasn't going to sing. But they started singing Nehemiah 810, where it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And they kept singing that over and over. 
And in that moment, I never felt so far from joy, but I had to fight against the feeling. And I really had to declare that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I remember when I did, it didn't really sound that great, but tears began streaming down my face because I proclaimed joy when I didn't feel it. And it was a moment of breakthrough in the spiritual realm where just like a chain felt like it fell off because I was declaring this that didn't feel like it was true, but it was true. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there are some verses um, also that I just clung to during the hardest times of singleness. And I think they really apply to anyone who's who's just waiting on God for something that he's put in their hearts. And I'll just I'll read a few of them. And I, I think it's worth writing them down too. Psalm 8411 says, the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 27, 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Second Peter 2, 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Joel 2, 25, I will restore to you the years that feel lost. I would just declare those scriptures and many more. And I even put together um, a declaration that I spoke daily. Um, this was a few years even before I, I met David, but it was really kind of a healing declaration that I needed uh, after feeling like I was so focused on myself and being independent and that was my identity and that I didn't need a man and that I could do everything on my own. God had prompted me to really start speaking this because I knew that it would lead me closer to what he had for me. I'll just read it for you. I said, I am set apart, but not set aside. My obedience will cause others to praise God. I am free of bitterness and entitlement towards marriage. I have nothing to prove. I believe I am worthy of love. I believe my heart is worth holding. I believe I don't have to be so independent anymore out of fear. I want someone to take care of me. And I believe I'm worth taking care of. I believe I can do most things on my own, but I don't have to do them on my own anymore. I believe I'm an attractive woman. I believe I'm not just the friend to guys that prepares them for marriage. I believe I'll be married someday soon to the man of my dreams. And that declaration really broke those agreements that I had made unknowingly. I think like you said, Esther, even in joking and passing and sarcasm, we say things that we don't really mean, but it's kind of how we're coping with where we're at. And I think when you start to counteract that in the spiritual realm, you'll be able to break down strongholds and things that have been made that you don't even realize those agreements. Amazing. I love that because that is a faith injection into this very, very, very um, vulnerable place in our hearts where we often do question, what are we doing wrong? What do mm -hmm. I need to change? Where do I need to go? What, um, maybe my standards are too high. Maybe I'm too picky. Maybe, you know, and we go mm -hmm. through that never ending downward spiral of um, really doubting who God created us to be and um, really taking the control, you know, in our own hands and trying to create something that really is in God's timing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he knows the plans he has for us, you know, and I do believe that, um, you know, I, I do think that we can prolong certain desires in our life based on 
our um, posture of faith and um, based on our, our attitude towards what God wants to do in our lives beyond that desire. And so I think that having this perspective of faith of saying, you know what, God, you're good with or without this thing in my life. And I'm going to believe you at your word, at your promise for whatever your expectation is in this season of my life. God, I'm just going to declare that you're good. And I'm going to declare that this dream and this desire you put in my heart is good too. And that there's nothing wrong with desiring it. And there's nothing wrong with believing that you are going to do it. But I'm not going to take my time frame and put it on this promise. I'm going to allow you to do it in your time frame, but allow my heart to be full of faith and full of hope for this thing. Um, but show me the bigger picture here, God. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really the place where he's trying to get our heart is not in a place of faith of like, give me the man, you know, like wheel of fortune, <laughs> like spinning the wheel. It's more about, no, like let's be in faith for God's promises. Um, not just for ourselves, but for our communities, for our families, for the the season of the moment that we're in, for the call on our lives, for the gift that he's put in our hands and what he's put in our hands right now. Let's be faithful with that mm -hmm. and really steward it well. Um, and, you know, it kind of leads into my my next question. Actually, I'm going to take that declaration that you wrote and completely <laughs> hawk it from you and use that. Yeah, take it. I, <laughs> I, I adapted that. it from someone else too. So oh, I just perfect. built off of it. <laughs> Great. When you, you know, when you rip it off of two separate people twice removed, <laughs> then I can actually put my name gets, to the end of it. So I'm going to yeah, quote exactly. it now. <laughs> it gets better. I, I get the credit. <laughs> I love it. Um, I mean, can I say one more thing on what absolutely. you just said? Um, yeah. I think that was another thing, especially as I got older, that God just continued to encourage me on timing, that it was so much more about me um, or about that myth that I wasn't ready. And it was so much more about that moment in time in God's kingdom where things had to come in alignment for me to step into my marriage and for David to step into my our marriage. And I, I remember um, reading about the story of Hannah and how she just desired for a son and she just begged God and God and and then eventually Samuel came. But if you think about it, the time had to be exactly perfect for Samuel to be born so that he can step into the fullness of who he was called to be in leading Israel. I mean, if he had come any sooner, he would have been too old to step into. If he came late, like later, he would have been too young. So I think if you that desire had to align with the kingdom of God and the principle and the time that God had ordained for him to be born. So it, it wasn't about Hannah necessarily doing anything wrong. It was about God's timing and the bigger picture. And I love how you said that. I think it's, it's something that really encouraged me as I continued to wait for this. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that so much. Uh, so I think it's a good thing, maybe if you're listening to this and, you know, you recognize that you've been allowing society to put pressure on you, your family to put pressure on you, or you've been putting pressure on you. I think we've all fallen in that every one of those categories, you know, ask yourself, what are you allowing to define your time and season? And are you really calibrated to the eternal time clock of your life. And, mm -hmm. and I really encourage, you know, you to listen in to the voice of the father and allow him to, to slow you, slow down your rhythm, allow him to slow down, uh, your, your process of what you think 
you should be doing right now or where you think you need to be at this age and stage of your life and really just allow him to give you peace of mind and know that he's got your fo- your future is set. He is mm-hmm. waiting for you in your future. I love that so much, Lisa. Okay, so to wrap this up, this has been so much fun. <laughs> um, but to wrap this up, And just so you guys know, don't worry, don't worry. We will be having Lisa on again and many times um, to come, actually. (laughs) But she, I love talking, um, you know, to Lisa about this topic. And there's some other, you know, levels and components to it that we've had some really awesome discussions and that she's really challenged me in. And so um, we'll we'll be listening uh, to Lisa's heart on this topic and other topics again in the future. So don't worry. Don't get too sad just because the podcast is almost over. We will be for sure hearing more from Lisa. But to wrap this up, I would love, Lisa, for you to share some of your greatest adventures and, (laughs) you know, fun times that you had um, before you were single. And just talk about, you know, what what it was like to really relish in that season and um, live it to its fullest capacity. Uh, Yeah, just share a little bit from that for, for all our listeners. Yeah, life with Jesus is full of adventure, and it just keeps getting better and better. And I remember as a single person, God brought some of the greatest desires of my heart to fulfillment. Uh, I got to travel and serve in other countries and spend a lot of time with my family. And I spent a semester living in Washington, D.C., working with a congressman. I got to celebrate my 21st birthday in Australia and attend the Hillsong Conference. Uh, After college, I moved out of state to Hawaii, where I spent three years, and I lived on my own for the first time. Um, And I got to really serve and deep dive into church and ministry, um, which really shaped my calling and my heart for women. And then when I moved back home, I, I was able to attend my dream school for my master's degree. During that time, I also spent a summer living in New York City and working with the United Nations, which was a dream I had always dreamt of. And then also during that time, I I served in inner city ministry and I got to spend a day each week uh, volunteering with their development program. I was able to explore my love for fashion and work with a couple favorite retail brands. And uh, even as marriage drifted further away as I approached 30, I started a PhD program because I needed a new challenge. (laughs) And I don't think it's something I would have done if I had gotten married sooner. So I'm grateful that God brought that into alignment when he did. Um, God really expanded my heart for women in the church, both in leadership and calling, which is something I would not have been fully aware of if I had been married sooner. Um, And just wrapping it up, I was able to travel to 22 countries before I got married. And I remember um, my last international trip before I met David that year, I went alone to Belize for an academic project with um, one of my classes, but I um, added on a couple days to explore on my own. And I remember on the airplane traveling over, um, God just whispered that this would be my last single solo adventure which I was really grateful for because now I have someone I get to adventure with. And David and I have traveled together to 15 countries on six continents just since we met each other. So I think that adventure that I cultivated in my teens and 20s as a single person just continues to grow as I'm in marriage. So I think it just gets better. Whatever you are investing in now, it'll just be magnified and get, it'll get better as you grow. 
Amazing. Come on. 21 <laughs> countries. Okay. And it doesn't mean you need to sell everything and start traveling the world and be like, work remotely. I'm going to, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you could literally never leave your city and still live the adventure of this moment in your life. And um, I just, I just think what kind of, I look at that and I just say, wow, you said yes to opportunity. You said yes to the what ifs of like, okay, sure, Belize, why not? Like marriage is a completely new season of responsibility, ownership, commitment, dedication. And, you know, it does make some of your other, um, you know, adventures or it just, it just changes the dynamic, right? And not in a mm-hmm. bad way, but in a more, okay, like we're going to have to be more intentional with how we think this through. And so um, I think that it's been so cool that you took advantage of the opportunities in singleness to go out and try a lot of new things. And to, I think, you know, probably discover a lot about your own heart in the midst of all of that, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. I love that so much. Well, um, this has been so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope that every single one of you ladies has been encouraged and just a faith injection has filled your heart with hope Mm -hmm. and expectation of the future and that you know that God has good things waiting for you. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive for it. There is nothing wrong with you. This season is so full of purpose and so much adventure. And we encourage you to go out there and um, live it. Live it well. So, Lisa, do you have one last word of encouragement you want to give um, all of our listeners? Yeah, I'd love to just leave you with um, just some gems that God gave me really quick. Trust the process. Know that nothing is wasted. God is working always on your behalf. He wants marriage for you more than you want it for yourself. Your story isn't about you. It's part of the larger narrative of God's kingdom. And there are thousands, depending on your faithfulness, more than you can see or understand. And know that rejection isn't an indicator of God's will, but rather his timing. Don't mistake God's protection for what seems like his lack of provision. And never stop dreaming of what could be, but know that God will do exceedingly above and beyond what you could ever hope for or imagine. So be encouraged. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much, Lisa. We hope you guys laughed as much as we did because that was honestly so much fun interviewing Lisa and we will definitely be having her back on the podcast. And I just hope that you guys felt so inspired and encouraged and really seen and understood in the season that you're in, regardless if, if you're single or not. You know, God sees you and he knows the desire of your heart. So be full of hope today because he is with you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment and share it with your friends. We love seeing how it's impacting you all. And when you tag us on Instagram, I'm telling you, we always do a little dance. So hope you guys have an amazing day.